Welcome to the Roll Bammer Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, before we dive in, I just want to say that we should record an episode every week questioning Alabama's commitment list. I know. I mean, man, look at the power unbeknownst to us that we have. (laughs) In-state three-star defensive tackle Anquan Barnes committed the day after we recorded. Then I think, uh, was it two days after we recorded? Yeah. One of the most talented receivers in the country, A.J. Hall, commits. He's a top 75 player in the country. And somehow, now it seems like Nick Saban and staff has, has gained some traction with a lot of prospects this cycle. You're taking full credit for that, I assume. <laughs> well, not to brag, but only one of us had a absolute no to the answer. So <laughs> hey, you're right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a lot less. Which, like I said, it wasn't I wasn't melting down by any means, but I had some questions. Uh, I have fewer questions this week than I did last week. Yeah, I think honestly, because you had questions, is more to the reason why it happened than anything else. All so. right, I take credit. Yeah. But, uh, moving on, Brad, the, the NFL draft just ended. A lot of former Alabama guys come off the board. There was a point late during the third round, I think uh, I think it was the 87th pick, where just Alabama and LSU combined made up over 20% of the picks, which is wild that deep into the process. Oh, yeah. Man, whether it was the first round, the third round on day two ending, uh, or at the end of the draft, Uh, overall there's so many different little notes that come out regarding Alabama or the SEC that's it's pretty damn mind-blowing to be honest with you yeah they have a lot of material for recruiting graphics yeah I mean you mentioned you know the 87th pick by that point 20 percent of the draft two schools well after the third round was over you know you had 40 SEC players overall in the first three rounds which were (laughs) the same amount as the Big Ten the Big 12 and the Pac-12 all together I mean that's just incredible well one conference you didn't mention ACC through three rounds LSU had 10 taken Alabama had nine 10 if you want to count Jalen Hurts the entire ACC had eight. The whole conference. Jeez. What does that say well, about the competition Dabo faces every year, by the way? Yeah, and Miami also for the first – it's uh, – God, how long has it been? I'll, I'll have to go find that stat. It's They haven't had a player drafted in the first three rounds consecutively over several years. I cannot remember the, the total years. It's just – it goes to show Miami has forgotten who they are, but they still hang on to who they were. Yeah, imagine saying that 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But and how about uh, okay. you know the entire uh, 2016 national championship game between Alabama and Clemson? Every single player that started on that field for offense and defense has been drafted now at this point, wow. or been signed to an undrafted free agent contract. Wow! For LSU, I think this draft is really interesting. Alabama lost a lot of talent in this draft. They lose a lot of talent every draft. Nick Saban right. and Alabama—they've proven over the past decade plus. They're equipped to handle mass departures and still compete for national championships. Ed Orgeron has not. Yeah, we're going to find out about that depth chart they have over there. They did have a great recruiting class last year uh, and the year prior. But they've had now the issue that comes with success. They've had staff turnover. They've had transfers. Uh, and now they have also the, the bigger kryptonite, and that's complacency, whether it's self-inflicted or the national media. Yeah, and to be honest, look, they lost more contribu- contributors to this draft than Alabama is even accustomed to. They tied Alabama's SEC record for most players taken in the draft, and they were still in the fourth round. Yeah. So they obviously they end up breaking that record. Then they tie 
Ohio State for the all-time record with 14, not to mention they had six more that went undrafted. And big-time contributors, too, like Thaddeus Moss, Fahoko, Michael Divinity did not get drafted. They're, they're all on that list. This is uncharted territory for LSU. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, too, is you look at Jefferson when he got drafted. Uh, when they asked him you know, about this past season and, and what it was for him and how incredible statistically and everything, uh, he really didn't mention anything or anyone else other than Joe Brady. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the biggest question mark to me, almost without any other breaking uh, news that happens between now and college football if we do have a season. Uh, that's going to be the biggest question mark in the country to me now, losing Joe Brady. Yeah, and I mean, the the hire that they made to replace him was sort of underwhelming, I think. And it's it's hard to, you know, be anything but that. given right. coming in behind had. him. Yeah. Yeah, no different than when Kiffin left and uh, how that went. So, <laughs> yeah. um, But look, look, the big story leading up to the draft was Tua's destination. He ends up going fifth overall to the Dolphins. I know you're a Patriots guy. So Tua ends up in your division, right? So mm-hmm. do, do you despise that as much as I'm envisioning? Uh, if Miami had been a lot more successful than they have been over the last 25 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. The only real threat Miami ever is is in Week 16. Uh, that's really <laughs> the only time they beat the Pats. <laughs> well, well, I mean, plus, look, I mean, we're going to be a completely different team now. I, I actually I, I have no problem pulling for them. You know, they also took Raekwon in the second round. They took a crap ton of defensive backs and safeties when they already had a lot, too, as well. Mm. Uh, so I think Miami's building something, and I'm going to be pulling for Tua. And it's funny, the plan worked out. All last year, tank for Tua, and they even hinted at acknowledging tank for Tua down there in Miami. Yeah, it all worked uh, out. Expecting, you know, the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Well, they get the fifth pick, and they still get Tua, so it worked out great. Yeah. Uh, so as far as a landing spot for him, how do you feel about Miami? Like that that organization has they've made some questionable decisions lately, but I, I did like they put an they put an emphasis on offensive line in the draft. I think they took three offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, so it's obvious protecting Tua is priority one for them. Yeah, and I think it brings uh, also the public you know interest back into Miami, which is something that has oh, been consistently yeah. falling off the chart worse than the stock market. So uh, to me, I, I feel like it's a good spot for Tua in comparison to maybe some other quarterbacks over the last 10 years that's gone to teams with top picks just because they were terrible. Uh, I don't know what you're going to get yet. This is a whole new entire staff down there in Miami this year. Uh, the one thing I do know is they don't have to rush Tua. I highly doubt he's going to be seen in a game by week one. They got Fitz Magic still. Yeah. You know? uh, and that, to me, look, I'm not going to knock Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, the dude went to Harvard. so uh, And he's had a, so many different teams he's played for and those different type of philosophies and uh, systems and everything like that. I think that's a good spot to learn little idiosyncrasies with offenses and stuff uh, as a rookie. I legitimately hope they give him the Patrick Mahomes treatment, and even really in more ways than one. Don't rush him in in year one and also surround him with people that can help him be successful. Like they've started on the O-line, like I just mentioned, but once they get that taken care of, they don't really have a bad group of receivers right now. Um, Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, two young guys that have some potential. Devontae Parker had a pretty good season. Uh, Alan Hearns, but none of those guys are game breakers either. So no, I I agree. Yeah. I, I would think their plan would be sit to it for a season um start like you said ron fitzpatrick i would think over josh rosen 
uh, dude, I don't know. Josh Rosen may not be in the NFL if he doesn't get any better after this year. Which is surprising to me, by the way. I mean, he was he he killed it in college. I know it's uh, crazy. But th- so that they probably will have another high draft position next season. Then I think maybe they can address address receiver them because they don't have a they don't have a Julio or Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, anybody like that. And that's what I hope they give give to a going forward. And I know I know two guys from Alabama that will be available next year. <laughs> that he would probably love to play with. Oh, absolutely. And depending on what side of the table you are sitting at against, uh, you know, when it comes to Alabama and Tua from this past year and past couple of years, uh, they're going to have to get him or they don't have to get him wide receiver help for him to be successful. So, yeah, uh, that's the whole new age narrative crap. <laughs> yeah. Sticking with the, the receiver theme, Henry Ruggs was the top receiver taken in the draft. 12th overall to the Raiders. Are you surprised he went ahead of Jerry Judy? Not really. I, I feel like the combine really gave him a legitimate chance uh, to be the top receiver. I, I didn't think, if anything, I thought it would be Judy, but I really, after the combine, when he ran that 40 and how much traction that got yeah. uh, in his high jump, his broad jump, everything, I, I felt like that would give him a good shot to go. And then when he went to the Raiders, you can't tell me there's not some mystical forces in this universe because that's <laughs> Al Davis from the grave, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big shocker that the Raiders took the fastest receiver in the draft. Uh, I mean, I'm happy for him. Dude's just turned 21. He's never been to Las Vegas. He's going out <sighs> to a team in a brand new stadium. Oh, dude, he's about to be he a, Carr, he, he's about it. to be. <laughs> A 21-year-old multimillionaire in Las Vegas. And, I mean, look, if there's any foreshadowing to this point, too, it's what he was wearing when he was drafted. (laughs) In his Hugh Hefner outfit. Oh, man. I mean, but, look, you know the reason why he wore that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So it was like a a promotional thing. It was uh, Old Spice, right? Yeah, it was to show, bring attention to what they're doing, raising money. Yeah, yeah. And it clearly worked because I saw the NFL (laughs) raised, like, $117 $117 million or something this weekend. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. that was great. And also not as great for Roger Goodell. It's somehow a terrible person got worse yeah. uh, throughout this draft process. But I digress. <laughs> well, look, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm mildly surprised. Uh, I think Jerry Judy is the best route runner I've seen in college football. Like, I'll agree with that. When, and I mean ever. When they were showing the feed of John Elway picking at 15 for the Broncos – you could literally see the shock on his face. Like, he could not believe Jerry Judy was still available. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a hell of a tandem for Denver, too, having Cortland Sutton and him now. Oh, it's not even just them. Drew Locke has to be ecstatic after this weekend. They drafted Jerry Judy in the first. They drafted uh, K.J. Hamler from Penn State in the second. He was a top-ten receiver in the draft in a loaded receiver draft. Then his favorite target in college, a guy we've talked the about top. before, <laughs> Albert O, the tight end from Missouri, they took him early in the fourth. He's been one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the country over the past several years. I was, like, openly wanting him to grad transfer to Alabama last season. Yeah, no, we talked about him. I mean, uh, but that also shows you they are all in for Drew Locke right now. Good for them. Hey, if that's their guy. I mean, look, they got to be all in on something because they don't have anything else. So Drew Locke just got gift-wrapped, like, Aaron Rodgers' wildest dream. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to touch on that one, too? Jesus. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, world world comes full circle, don't it? Yeah. I mean, we, we can beat the horse everyone else has been beaten, but, I mean, uh, you got to feel like at this point there's like a 33. I'll give it a third. There's like a 
percent chance he's going to be at the Patriots next year. Oh my gosh, how mad would everybody be <laughs> if they just transitioned right into Aaron Rodgers? But what? How weird is that for uh, for Green Bay? Well, and they did it again when they had a good chance in the second uh, round to go ahead and take another, or had a chance to go ahead and take a positional skill player. Yeah, they didn't do it, and they're giving them no help. But it's I never. You show me all thirty-two teams uh, leading up to that pick and ask me who's the most likely to take it that could. Dude, Green Bay would never have crossed my mind. And like I said, this was considered the best draft for receivers maybe ever. Mm. And that's their glaring need for their all-world quarterback and they don't take one. Or not Ugh. not early. I don't know if they took one late, but they didn't take they didn't take one of the top guys. So <laughs> Yeah, there was a there was a dark joke I saw. It was great. I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, two guys in the third round stood out to me for Alabama. We're not going to hit on everybody that got drafted at, uh, for Alabama, but Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis both taken in the third. Your Patriots took Anthony mm-hmm. Jennings. Outside of like a, I want to ask you this. Outside of like a, a white slot receiver, <laughs> does Anthony Jennings not seem like the most Patriots player ever? Dude, he's more, to me in my head, he's more of a fit, and I know there's not much room for this, but, uh, but he's more of a fit than Dante Hightower was. He just that. fits that mold so perfect. He And he was so underrated and valued, in my opinion, too, for what he did. Yeah. He's he's like that non-flashy, quiet guy who people, prob- people probably aren't even going crazy over him in, in New England right now because you may not even know much about him, but it wouldn't shock me if he did the exact same thing in the league and carved out a decade-long career as a solid starter. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, he, the quiet guys always seem to have those long careers. They just do it. They do their job, and he's going to the most do-their-job place in the NFL. Terrell Lewis went in the third to the Rams. Outside of Tua, Lewis, I think, is, is the one I'm most interested in following as far as his career goes because this is – such a boomer bust to me. If he's healthy, the Rams got a first rounder in the third. I I can see him becoming like an elite, elite pass rusher in the NFL and making a fortune on his second contract. I can also see him never making it to his second contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to to say either way right now. Third round money is not anything to turn your nose up to, but the sad reality is that draft position matters. And injuries cost him millions of dollars this week. Yeah, his contract's going to end up being worth almost $4.5 million in value, even though he went in the third round. But I agree. I mean, dude, you're talking, if he would have went, let's say, like Jerry Judy, you're talking $14, 15000000 million. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge difference. And signing bonuses, too, I mean, are, are massively different. But speaking of money, you know, the entire draft class for Alabama, not including undrafted free agents, obviously, uh, they're going to be combined almost $110 million in total contract value. So yeah. take that chump change. Yeah. You think that's that's going on a recruiting graphic too. I know it, we, I mentioned that earlier. They have a truckload of information to put on graphics right now and to send to every kid in the nation. But that's got to be the first one on there. But we did want to mention some basketball news. Kyra Lewis officially staying in the NBA draft. Something we all expected, but it's finally official. The NBA has apparently caught on to to Kyra's speed and who he is, how he might translate to the run-and-gun nature of the NBA, because he is shooting up draft boards right now, Brad. 
that things can change, but from what I've read, it would come as a surprise at this point if he's not a lottery pick. I've seen mocks with him moving in the top 10. Yeah, I think the expectations, you know, top 15 right now for the most part, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Who who knows once once draft day comes along, but man, he is teams are starting to catch on as far as Kyra goes. So it definitely seems like this was the right decision for Kyra and his family. No, I agree. And you know, they're you talk about things ready to go out in the mail. Don't think the graphics department doesn't already have his draft piece already ready oh, yeah. to go out in the mail. <laughs> yeah. If 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 Kyra's taken as a lottery pick, that one pick might be more valuable to Nate Oates than the hundred and ten million dollar graphic is for Nick Saban. Oh, I mean, because of just the significance of, yeah. you know, what the, that will carry and the implications it has on the team overall. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like kids and parents, I think for the most part, know what Alabama football is. And they know Nick Saban and they know they, they know the significance of that and, and what it means. Like they, they know where they're sending their kid. That may not might not carry as much weight as Nate Oates coming along and saying, hey, I got a guy taken in the lottery. Like this is what we're building. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, staying too with players and stuff, I, I had seen that uh, there was another top player uh, that had made a decision this past week uh, in terms of recruiting. Uh, as far as in basketball? Mm-hmm. You talking about Greg Brown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about mm-hmm. that, him being offered uh, mm-hmm. the $400,000 contract by the G League. He passed that up and committed yeah. to Texas. So, so he's really the first to publicly – tell the G League no and pass on the money. Yeah, that, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, along with the the, the teams that got spurned by him as well. Um, that were, <laughs> yeah. You know, couldn't come up with the same offer. But, yeah. uh, you know, good for Texas, I guess, because uh, you talk about something you may not have expected. I didn't think Shaka Smart, when he left VCU to go to Texas, would be this bad. Uh, yeah, and he, look, he was on the verge of getting fired this year, and then they had like a miraculous run. <laughs> At the end of the year, and he basically saved his job. Yeah, I mean, he still got the dreaded vote of confidence too. So, yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, he needed he needed Greg Brown though. Yeah, that is somebody that he needed. But it'll be an interesting so- story to see what kind of impact all of that's going to have on college basketball. But we've now seen the dominoes fall both ways. One prospect has taken half a million dollars. The other chose to play college basketball over it, which yeah. I think is incredibly weird. But <laughs> I, I know. I think it's it's probably a little bit due to the unknown yeah, of everything. I agree. Uh, and, and sustainability of of that uh, other side too. So yeah. yeah. Now it, it was presumed before we before we end this, it was presumed that John Petty would be joining Kyra Lewis, and, and whether drafted or not, he was at a point where he wanted to get paid to play. That doesn't seem like a sure of a thing any longer, and I can't overstate how big it would be for them to get back a guy who finished the year with the top three-point shooting percentage in the conference. Oh, I mean, he came on like wildfire this season yeah. as it progressed. Ugh. And I don't have enough blood pressure medication if he also is on the <laughs> roster next season. Dude, like, But think about how much better he got in this one year with Oates. Remember when we used to talk about, hey, road John Petty. Like, he could not hit a shot on the road early in his career. I mean, he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And no, you're right. He, he turns that into the top three-point shooting percentage in the conference. So, But nothing's for sure, but it seems more possible than ever that, that Petty could return to Alabama. If that happens, I don't envy Nate Oates having to figure out a rotation either. 
Well, the only way we uh, need to, you know, handle this one is if we want John Petty back. We just say, you know, it's pretty sad that uh, we're at this point in the off season. And Alabama basketball hasn't had any players returning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On paper, deepest roster they've had in a long time. Yeah, you can make a case for forever, you know, without any uh, tangible proof in yeah. college. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see if we have enough power to make Petty come back now. Yeah. Comment, so. Here's what the expectations are if Petty decides to return. Jeff Goodman put out his early rankings for next season, his top 50. He has Alabama ranked 18th in the country, ahead of every other team in the SEC he thinks Alabama wins the conference if Petty returns. I did see that. And I have a feeling we have found our media love child for when Nate Oates fully arrives. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that said, I knew, I knew first. Yeah. No, I mean, Jeff loves him some Alabama. Yeah. I know this, like, this is just one analyst, but he's a notable one in college basketball. Think about how insane this is. Alabama's 18. He has North Carolina at 19. Louisville at 23, Kentucky at 24, UCLA at 30, and Indiana at 31. (laughs) That's a list of college basketball royalty. If that holds, this is the first time Alabama comes into a year with maybe higher expectations than that entire group of programs since what year? (laughs) Prohibition. (laughs) Maybe there was a couple of, like, the Mark Godfrey years. Yeah, like the early. No, absolutely. It would be Godfrey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there might have been a time or two back then when that was the case, but that's not a common occurrence. They came into the year one, one year ranked in the top five in the preseason polls, and then I d- didn't even make the tournament. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, <laughs> they probably had a losing record in February, too. So, yeah. well, um, but, you know, that, again, that's, uh, we got kids on the roster now that weren't even alive during that time. So, yeah. I mean, that's true. So, but that really speaks to the potential of this team, and I think it, it speaks to it no matter what Petty decides. Uh, some news to, today too, uh, the day of this recording. Pons for Tennessee entered the draft today. I'm not sure if he hired an agent or not, but Emmett Williams for LSU entered and decided to remain in the draft. So that's potentially two of the best players in the league gone in about a one-hour time span, and then Auburn has really missed on some of their top targets this cycle. I mean, look, it's early. I don't want to jinx it, but things could be lining up for Alabama to make some noise this year. Yeah, you know, we looked at last year in the preseason when we talked about expectations, what we think could happen, uh, what to expect with Nate Oates and his system and all that. We dived in it, and we saw what happened before they even took the court with the injuries and everything like that, so... Mm we got to figure out a cutoff time and I want everyone to quit talking about the potential of next year. That way we can let it just play itself. out. <laughs> I do want to say this is the potential. If half the roster is, is not in a wheelchair. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that. Right. Like I think things would have went a, a lot smoother, a lot better had they had a healthy roster last year. No, for sure. Yeah. I really hope that's out of our system. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have one or two, but man, with, uh, where the road we've traveled to get to where we are now, oh, it's uh, it's incredible. I don't want to say it can't get worse, but yeah. it can it. <laughs> oh, oh, it could. <laughs> yeah, it can. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Todd.